You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It is the first mailbag edition since training camp started. And I'll just come out right, come out right now and say it. We have so many questions to answer. We're, we're going to try a few things differently. If we did not get to one of your questions, I'm so sorry. Um, but we, we got a way that we think we're going to be able to just try to blast through as many of these as we possibly can. Uh, we have an entire section devoted to the cornerback position. We have a speed round that we're going to do later. And uh, we got plenty of other questions uh, before we do any of that stuff too. And here to help me answer the questions are uh, Craig Stout and Matthew Lane. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. What's going on, my friend? Man, I've been busy tonight. I was trying to come up with a good five-star review joke because we always appreciate them when you guys send them in. We love to read them. We love reading them out loud on the podcast. But I got sidetracked by the lobster block thing. <laughs> we kind of went over it on the live stream, but for those just listening to the podcast, the lobster block is now illegal in the NFL. And rather than me trying to bumble through and explain it again, you just can't grab a defender from behind as an offensive lineman with one hand and pull them and try to slingshot yourself behind them to get upfield faster. I believe that's what we're looking at. I know this is breaking news to all you other nerds out there of the AP laboratory that love to get down into the nitty gritty of football play. Into the trenches. There's my, my five-star review plug for the day. Put lobster block in the five-star review and we will love it. Craig, what do you think about the lack of lobster block in the upcoming NFL season? Anything that's a lack of lobster is a problem for me. I love lobster. I love eating lobster. I love cooking lobster. I, I just love lobster. I want to go back to Maine again so I can just eat a bunch of fresh lobster. Lobster like, or oysters? Which is better? But, ooh, lobster. Both together. No. So, <laughs> yeah. I had a bad yes. experience with some oysters, Rockefeller. I've well, seen Craig put down some oysters. oysters. I've seen Craig put down oysters in person. It's true. I, I can put them down. I can put down a lot of food, honestly. But <laughs> we've seen hey, that. It's it's a it's a great night. We have Chiefs train, training camp to actually talk about, and one of us went to training camp. Can't wait to training camp. I did, and I'll try to answer from my perspective on some of these questions because you guys had a lot of questions, basically about what. We've seen at training camp. I'll explain what I've seen at training camp because Craig and Maddie haven't made it through yet. Craig, real quick, you will be uh, at training camp next week, correct? 100% I will be at training camp. I am going to do two podcasts from training camp next weekend. Look for them. Chief's, Chief Bearcat is going to join me for one. Boo! Brendan Kylie from six. <laughs> Brendan Kylie from 610 is going to join me on the other one. I'll be there Friday and Saturday. If you're there, come say hi. If you're there Friday night in St. Joe, stop by River Bluffs Brewing around 7 o'clock. Bearcat and I are going to be sitting there talking some Chiefs, drinking a beer or two. Come talk Chiefs with us if you're around. 
I'm uh, I'm jealous. I'm not getting to hang out with you guys, uh, Craig specifically. Uh, well, I'm jealous. I'm not getting to hang out with Bearcat. So this is awkward. <laughs> uh, it, everyone who reached out and said what's up at training camp, it was really nice to meet you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please. Somebody ask Craig for his autograph. I think that would be hilarious. No, do not. I will not give you See, an autograph. I'm very disappointed that I didn't get a single candid picture of Kent's hair on Twitter <laughs> after asking for it. I really thought somebody was going to come through. I'm, I'm disappointed in our listeners right now, actually. Oh, man. I'm, I'm not at all. I know I know. Uh, Country Boy got, got a tweet off about my hair, but we've got a lot of questions to answer. Let's jump right into them. We're going to start with you know kind of your standard mailbag uh, process the same way we've been kind of doing it traditionally, and we got some other stuff we're gonna mix thing mix in there later. But start with Rise of Mahomes. Do you guys think that Tano Pasniel will make this roster with him running with the first team defense? I still think no. I I know that he got some run with first team defense today. We saw him look good last year in training camp. We saw him look really good. As a matter of fact, we came away from the weekend that we were there, both Maddie and I were kind of ranting and raving about him a little bit. We we talked about him on the podcast a little bit. We wrote about him a little bit. He looked really good then, and we saw that he wasn't really able to grasp things and get on the field at that point. I think there's too many guys in front of him, both inside and outside. I think that he would really have to explode and show some super growth in order to make this team I think that he's just getting some run as a guy that's a body right now. Yeah, this is the same thing we saw last year, in my opinion, until we see otherwise. He looked great last year. He was working over Eric Fisher, even had some reps against Mitchell Schwartz, and he looked phenomenal when we were at camp last year. We came away kind of saying he's going to be a guy that could really make some noise this year. Then the season started, and it was a few weeks before he wasn't even active or with the roster anymore. You know, He wasn't suiting up on game days. I think it's great they're getting him to showcase his ability a little bit with the ones, talk him up a little bit. I just think it's more of a showcase thing. They're trying to see what he can do, make sure they're not missing something. But I fell for it once last year. I'm not going to fall for it again until the actual games start. Yeah, I'm kind of still skeptical at this point. Uh, From a showcase perspective, I could see that. I, I think that actually makes a little bit of sense. But it's definitely something to monitor, definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward. Uh, Trevithan... 89 asks, is there a noticeable difference in the defense at camp? Uh, and that's just from an atmospheric atmospheric standpoint, attitude standpoint, willing bodies, etc. Um, so, yeah, I do think there is. And one of the things you notice right off the bat is you notice uh, the energy and you notice the high level of communication. Honestly, I didn't see a ton of busts. In the couple days I was there, there were some. Don't get me wrong. There was some. But I think they're communicating at a high level. I think everybody's kind of on the same page. And I was pleasantly surprised to see where they were at to this point. Um, and I think, you know, Steve Spagnuolo has done such a good job of um, of communicating, of working directly with all these guys, not wasting any opportunity whatsoever. Um, they're, they've really done a good job of leaning into this whole thing and, and, and trying to get the most out of this opportunity at camp. Um, Craig, I, I know you haven't been there. I know you and Maddie haven't been there, but I think even just listening to the press conferences, you can kind of hear some of those things. Absolutely. And if you're not listening to the press conferences from the podium on the AP Arrowhead Pride that bump uh, there. podcast network, yeah, 
they're good. Uh, it, it is it's you, great. I love it. If you haven't listened to Chiefs pressers or you maybe struggle to get the video to work on the Chiefs.com or anything like that, we put out the raw audio from those things so you can hear these guys talk. Frank Clark was awesome to listen to today. Frank Clark was asked if there was any sort of like uh, complacency that might occur or any chance that there might be some conditioning problems or they might backslide a little bit. And Frank Clark very, very sternly said, no, that ain't going to happen. Just shut it down immediately. And I believe him. Like it, It's not one of these things where you heard guys like Justin Houston say it, guys like D. Ford say it last year. This is something where when Frank Clark says it, you actually believe that he's going to make sure that it doesn't happen. I think that intensity, everything like that is elevated. And Sammy Watkins even talked about how the defense was making it very difficult on the offense, even in training camp. He talked about that a little bit today too. So they're definitely raising the level. Maddie, anything to add? Yeah, I just want to say I read Therese Paler's article talking about Frank Clark at camp and just the nonstop trash talk that he has out there is amazing. Ooh. Just hearing the quotes, a run comes to his size, he stops it, he spends the entire time before the next play talking trash. They try to run at his side two more times and he pretty much just continues going for an entire three-play series just talking trash to the entire offense. I love it. I think Tyron Matthews is going to play off of it really well. He seems to be a little bit more calm and collected on the field, but you still know he has that kind of same energy and demeanor. He just seems to keep it contained a little bit more, and that's what he said in his press conference, whereas Frank Clark just lets it all hang out, and it's amazing to see. Uh, we're going to jump into the email bag version of this. If you don't have Twitter, if you listen to the podcast, you want to ask questions for the show, apnerdsquad at gmail.com is where you can find us. And uh, we've got several questions from the uh, from the email bag today. Uh, Justin Donnell, a Chicago-based Mahomey. I love it. Uh, before I start with my question, I want to extend my gratitude to what you guys put together in your podcast. You all put on a fun show, so keep it up. Thank you so much. Uh, after what, watching what we witnessed last year in the league's reigning MVP, I'm convinced Patrick LeVon Mahomes. LeVon is in there, which is great. <laughs> is not earthborn uh, and he goes on to basically ask us to kind of try to build a uh, build a quarterback or build Patrick Mahomes with I guess kind of maybe historic players and stuff like that um, and so we're gonna just go ahead and do that right now uh, the arm I am giving Patrick Mahomes the arm of Aaron Rodgers I see some of that natural arm talent things don't have to be perfect with his base pretty quick release and the ability to get the ball down the field. I think his arm similar is, is similar to what we see with Aaron Rodgers. Maddie, what about his legs? Kind of, kind of, I mean, it's not Michael Vick or anything, obviously, but I mean, it's, it's, you, you still have an athletic throw of the football. Yeah. And legs is kind of a tricky one because we got footwork coming up next. So I don't really want to go that route with it. So just of pure legs in terms of athleticism, and I'm going to include kind of the core, the ability to put the torque into your core, and generate some real power in the throws. I'm going to actually go Warren Moon, I think for the legs, maybe not Ooh. quite as athletic as Warren Moon, but he's got that I enough athleticism to avoid defenders. He can like any play he can on the move and he can really get that torque into his body from funny angles. I think we're going to warn Moon for the legs. I like that a lot. I, I got too. footwork. I got footwork next. I'm 
I'm going to go with Brady. Brady's footwork in the pocket. Brady's ability to step up and avoid pressure Ooh. is is fantastic. Best footwork and ever. Don't at me. I It really legitimately might be. But Mahomes is already learning in that. Like We've seen growth within last year that was more significant than we see with some quarterbacks over the life of their career. So I think that his ceiling is Tom Brady's footwork. He's just getting better and better. His feet are getting better and better. He's worked a lot on them this year. I'm going Brady. I think that's actually, I think that's, I, I like that. And I do agree. He probably does have the best footwork ever because you have to, if you're going to be that limited athletically, you've got to have really good <laughs> feet. From a intelligence perspective, um, I, I, this is going to sound weird and I don't even like saying it, but I kind of get a little bit of a Big Ben, Phil Rivers kind of intelligence where I think both of those guys have a decent idea of, on field, by the way, on, on field. field. Yeah, see, I don't even like talking about Big Ben. I just don't like him. <laughs> he's like my, I, he's like one of my least favorite people in the league. And from a leadership perspective, he ain't it. But um, I feel like both those guys have, you know, the best versions of themselves have done a bit, a pretty good job of being judicious on, you know, when to get rid of the ball quick, when to take chances, how to take chances. And I think those are some of the things you kind of see from Patrick Mahomes. I think both of those guys, their peaks have been really you know, good about utilizing some of their skill sets. Um, and so from like, a, and from a toughness perspective too, I honestly think. We you did know, a Mahomes comp exercise and didn't get one Dan Marino in there. I thought about, so, and I. Uh, me too. <laughs> here's the thing. I thought about going with Dan, with Dan Marino and a lot of, like I, I could have put Dan Marino, like I feel like even from an athletic standpoint, I think Marino's kind of a good comp for Mahomes too. Like with his legs and I, I feel like that you don't agree, Maddie. So to be fair, it's been a long time since I've studied Dan Marino film, but I have seen it <laughs> since I've been older. Like I've seen it when I was able to understand. I don't think that he had the same level of athleticism that Pat does. I definitely think he is a lot more in the pocket. Now I do think he could change kind of his throwing windows and levels and everything, but his ability to throw on the move doesn't come close to Pat's. So I think that's kind of where I see the big separation there. Yeah. Yeah, but whose does? I mean, who has that ability Russell to throw Wilson? on the move like that? That's about it. Aaron yeah. Rodgers. Sorry, Aaron Rodgers does too. So. Right, right. But I, mean, I think you could have picked Aaron Rodgers for a lot of these. Yeah. Honestly. But that's how good he is. I mean, there's no leadership quality. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, right, Jake? <laughs> Justin in Wichita emails in, if, some, uh, if somehow each of you was thrust into the starting running box spot for the Chiefs in 2019 and was guaranteed 300 carries without injury... What would each of you end up season stat uh, season stats wise for yards, touchdowns, and fumbles, Craig? Okay, so I get to start on this. Three hundred carries. My total yards negative four. Um, I get one touchdown on a gimmick play, and I fumble two hundred and ninety nine other times. <laughs> you scored on a you scored on a negative touchdown, or you you scored on a negative no, yard no, run? No, my overall my. Total yards were negative. But you fumbled 299 times. Sure. I, I can fumble beyond the line of scrimmage. I can fumble <laughs> behind the line of scrimmage. I, I'm very How good at fumbling in this scenario. How many times do you actually complete the handoff? Uh, let's see. Out of 310. Wow. Yeah. Maddie, give me your line. Uh, what is it? 300 carries? I think I'm amassing 600 yards and 300 carries. I think the offensive line is going to give me two yards before I can just dive on the ground. 
Um, <laughs> I'll get two touchdowns in that time, and I will probably fumble five, six times. Wow. You're like, you're a better fan. You're like RP2. He's feeling you're himself like, a little bit. I'm literally Good, diving man. on the ground right behind Wiley every single play. That's all I'm doing. Just diving <laughs> straight to the ground behind Wiley every play. Give me my two yards. Just moving the chains on third and one. Uh, I, I, I would cost my team negative points, be it fumbles or safeties. I might run backwards. I might be the kid from Little Giants going, blow the whistle! Blow the whistle! Uh, no, I, 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 it would not end well. Albin, Albin asks uh, in the email if Andy Reid is carried off the field after we win the Super Bowl. Who carries him, and how many players? I'm, I'm going to carry him off the field by myself. I'm working on my squats. <laughs> I, I am going to personally lift Andy Reid off the field. I'm going to carry him to the podium to speak, and then I will usher him back. I don't care what it takes. Because I already said, if I, I want to hug Andy Reid. Andy Reid is one of my very favorite coaches ever. I, I would gladly take that. They got to bring back Alan Bailey. They got to <laughs> bring back Alan Bailey. That's the only way this is going to happen. Actually, I think like, if uh, it's to happen, it's going to be Derek Noddy and Colin Saunders because they're already low to the ground. They oh, can get yes. up underneath him, get him up in the air. I think that's where it is. The leverage play. That's a very Matthew answer, is just taking leverage into consideration. Todd, the Dark Knight emails with the new Spagger. We had to answer it. If he's going to use Spagger, we have to use this. Uh, this defense has, the, with the new Spagger, this defense has the season. Where do you see them ranking? Uh, so, I, Craig, where do you see this defense ranking for total defense this year? If we're talking about scoring defense, I'm going to put them about 15-16 as it stands right now. I do think that Spags will maximize some of these guys. I think the talent is better all around. It's a better fit for the scheme that he's going to run, and it's not going to be just kind of sit back and try and protect a lead like we saw Bob Sutton do at times last year. There's going to be a lot more aggression, a lot more physicality. That means he's going to give up some bigger plays, but it also means they're going to get off the field a little more. So from a scoring defense standpoint, I'm going to put them about middle of the pack, even with a little bit of the cornerback trouble that uh, that we'll talk about a little later here. <laughs> I mean, listen, right now, from what I've heard and seen from training camp, I'm losing a little bit of confidence. I know pads are just coming on. It's early in training camp. I like from what I'm hearing and seeing about the defensive line, but it's the first year under a new defensive coach, a lot of young players, a defensive coach that has a wide variety of his defensive play calling. There's going to be coverage breakdowns. There's going to be play breakdowns. You combine that with what seems like some of the worst cornerback play in the NFL I feel like they're going to be pushing we'll get there. for, I, mean, I think in the low 20s, 20, 21, 22 would be a huge improvement and a big play by the Chiefs. Low 20s still might get them to the Super Bowl. Oh, it Bowl. should. It's yeah, I agree with if that. They can stop them to, if they can stop enough people to get them in the Super Bowl. Uh, okay. Um, T-Factor Dunlin. This is, we're off the emails and now we're back into the regular mailbag. T-Factor Dunlin asks... We can hear, or we hear that the four-three uh, defense simplifies the gap responsibilities for linemen and backers. Is there a trade-off? Is it easier for the guys up front, uh, but is it maybe harder for the secondary? Craig, 
Um, not necessarily. It's more of a one gap versus two gap scenario here where linebacker, everybody's gap is simplified. They're not trying to necessarily hold blockers or anything like that. Like in a three, four, you got a nose tackle that's trying to occupy multiple blockers and both defensive ends trying to occupy multiple blockers as well. 3-4 is a little more unpredictable on the edges. Either one of those linebackers can drop into coverage, even though Chiefs fans really, really didn't like it when they did that. That is a thing. That's a feature (laughs) of it. You have a little more predictability out of your linebackers in a 4-3. Those guys are being, you know, off-ball guys more often than not and shooting these single gaps. So... Maybe a little more predictability, but the single gap of everybody means that everybody needs to execute their job correctly and get to those gaps and play gap sound. Otherwise, it kind of falls apart a little bit like a house of cards. So that's kind of one of the the trade-offs there between switching between one gap and two gap. Maddie, if you don't, do you have anything? The only to add? thing you, that I would add is in a three-four, you just kind of have a little bit more protection on getting to the edges against the runs or even quick passes because mm-hmm. you have better athletes playing out on the end with your stand-up linebackers. So I mean, that's the one of the small trade-offs when you adjust the front. But like Craig said, you can do pretty much the same stuff out of either defensive front. It's just a matter of what style of defense you want to play. So there's not really a too much of a negative, other than there's a little bit less exotic stuff you can do in terms of only having four players in the line of scrimmage rather than five and you have a little bit less athleticism to get to the sideline but you also have more linebackers further off the ball to allow better angles so it all evens out in the long run also you know they talk a lot about with the three four you never know where that fourth defender is coming from um <laughs> you don't know where the you don't know where the pressure is coming from that often with spags either so just just keep note of that Jason Michael asks, Mechel or me cool Hardman so far in training camp? AC Rocker also asked a similar question. Give us your complete thoughts on me cool Hardman so far. I'm the only one that's got to see him. And I'll just tell you, I'm cautiously optimistic about him. There's, I still think he's really need to develop and he really needs to grow as a route runner. But what I'm kind of watching and seeing a little bit more of lately is it may not matter, and there still be may be some opportunities for him to just run past people. Uh, and so it's kind of like if they might be able to... We, we've talked a lot about Andy being able to utilize the speed trait more uh, or better than most people can, and they got the speed trait. And he might just be able to put the burners on and just do some of these things. If he can get a free release off the line of scrimmage, if he's playing off the line of scrimmage, he might just be able to run past some people, which... And he might be open. So there there might be opportunities for him to utilize his traits. Maddie, what do you want to see? I know you haven't seen him yet, but what do you want to see from me, Cole, during the training? So I don't know if camp's going to shed a whole bunch for me because it sounds like every Chiefs wide receiver is popping off at training camp <laughs> um, because who they're against. That's true. I mean, that's been my reservation that's so true. far. Because I know I've been very vocal about McCole Hardman being very meh Cole Hardman for me. So now that he's been a couple highlights at camp, People have been adding me a lot on Twitter, and I get it. It's awesome that McCole Hardman looks very good. (laughs) Like, it is. I hope he's doing as well as it sounds. But I've also seen highlights from Cody Thompson, Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson was making plays today, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, and so on. Everybody's making plays for the Chiefs at wide receiver right now. So I just want to see the preseason. I want to see if he has cleaned up his route running. It seems like he's dropped a couple passes each day so far, too. So you've got to clean up the hands or you're going to be kind of in the same situation that Byron Pringle's in right now where you just can't be trusted to catch the ball when you do get downfield. But like Ken said, 
even if his route running still iffy like it was in college or what it seemed to be earlier this year, if he's able to just run by everybody, if they get him free releases, that doesn't really matter because you can't account for his speed, Kelsey's speed, walking speed, and hill speed at the same time. Kent, uh, explain a little bit because one of the things you said at camp was that he just looks different. Like, not necessarily yeah. Tyreek, but it, expound on that a little bit, what you meant by that. I'll just say, I you see, you know, we've talked about him being fast, but it, it actually is noticeable. Like, him and Tyreek are both clear-cut the fastest two players at camp right now. And it's not really particularly close. Seeing Miko stride out is really fun to watch. And I we, we talked a lot about how Tyreek being back might be the best thing for Miko. I think what we did, what I saw the first weekend was, yeah, that's 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 true. They don't have to ask a ton of Miko. Maybe they can let him just run down the field, get a free release, be off the line of scrimmage and get a free release. And maybe they can utilize that speed trait to its full capabilities. I mean, I think that's really. I he's he's not Maddie. He's not there as a route runner yet. Still, like it's it's like it's not what you want, and he's not going to be able to consistently separate all over the field. But there are some positive indicators. I'm cautiously optimistic. There's oh, you, there, there's go. been a couple times that we've seen some videos and stuff like that of him when he gets loose. He's fast. Like I mean, yeah. that's and. Uh, like like you guys have both kind of alluded to, Andy will find ways to get him in open field. That's where he's going to do damage. And he can do damage year one that way. That's that's where you're going to want to put him. I think that's what you're hoping for. Yeah. And Tyreek being back I, is really, really important for Miko Hardman. And I and watching it this weekend was, was very obvious. OUSAS asks... Biggest surprise for week one, both positive and negative, based on what you've seen, Craig. Based on what I've seen, uh, the or bigot, heard, or heard, yeah, I guess based be, on I mean, the, it, the limited part. What, what, yeah, yeah. Uh, negative, uh, the the cornerbacks, not great. Going to be potentially worse than we thought. Maybe they were, especially with injuries. Uh, positive, Patrick Mahomes apparently Ooh. looks even better than he did last year. I don't know how that's possible, but literally everybody that I've spoken to about camp, everybody that I've spoken to that knows a little bit about football says that this is an improved player. Somehow, from a 50-touchdown, 5,000-yard season, he is an improved player. That's going to be the biggest positive. I mean, they were that close to going all the way last year with him at that level. Imagine if he gets better. Yeah, I think uh, the negative surprise has to be the cornerbacks because I think it's going to be even worse than your deepest, darkest fears right now. I mean, anybody can think of how negative that it sounds right now. I think it is going to be worse than that unless they make a move. Maybe I'm being slightly negative or jumping the gut a little bit here, but I've already been a little pessimistic about the cornerbacks on the team. I does not sound like they're playing particularly well. Not only is it just camp stuff where they're losing, which isn't a big deal. It just doesn't sound like they look very good when they're out there. The few videos I've seen be consistent of the same guys getting beat over and over again. So cornerbacks, definitely a negative positive. I think Eric Fisher, he's getting, he's going to have a lot of work. this training camp. Frank Clark's going to make him work. He's going to make him try harder than he ever has before in camp. Week one, he's playing the Jaguars. He's going to be tested by multiple good pass rushers. They're going to cycle in different guys between Ngakwe, 
They're going to probably put Taven Bryan out there. They're going to have different rushers coming at him, and I think it'll be kind of a good surprise for Chiefs fans to see how well having Clark across from him in camp is going to do for him. So the negative surprise for me, I'm going to name it because I can't just say the cornerback position. I have not seen a single thing that gives me optimism about Charvarius Ward. Some of the concerns we've had about him having to play off coverage, having to transition, having to close, it does not look at does not look good. And even when he was getting to play up and pressing, he's getting beat down the field. It has not been a good start for Charvarius Ward. So it it uh, you could add Kendall Fuller into that mix too. So the, we'll talk more about that in a second. Uh, the positive, yeah, Patrick Mahomes took a step, and it's like. It's fun. He's just got he's got a new command and control of this thing, and it's it's beautiful to see. He really has grown so much, uh, even since the AFC Championship game. Uh, but also, Sam Watkins looks exceptional. I, he's getting overshadowed by Tyreek Hill, but the hands are as like he's just he his hands are are. I don't know. I don't want to say better. He's just getting to utilize them. He feels more confident and comfortable going up and grabbing the ball. He's snatching it with authority. Um, he's making plays with a big catch radius. He's making athletic catches. He's all over the place. And uh, if he stays healthy, the Chiefs legitimately have two number one receivers. Like, he looks that good right now. Um, so, uh, we are going to uh, take a break. And we are going to the corner bag with a G, the mailbag questions about the cornerback position because you had so many. We will be back right after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, it's time to go to the cornerback-specific portion of this week's mailbag it's cornerback time, fellas, and we've got a lot of cornerback-specific questions, and I thought I'd just put them all into one so we can have just one big vent session, I mean Q&A session. Brandon422 asks, we already know that Barley Hop is the Renaissance man. How long until he suits up to play cornerback? It's, it's seeming like it's pretty close, Craig. I might be CB5 right now. I got length. I, I, I'm tall, but it's- I... I- I can, as I said in the Slack chat earlier, I can walk without a limp. So that might make me CB five already. That might make it enough. This, the one position you don't want to see the Chiefs having any um, issues at all 
would be cornerback. And they had a thumb laceration where Bashad Breeland's going to miss some time where you don't want to miss some time. And now it looks like Keith Reeser tore his Achilles. Um, and so Pres- President Zavi asks, is it time to panic about the cornerbacks, Matthew? It's been time to panic. Nothing that's happened so far should change the panic level. I mean, if you had high hopes for Charvarius Ward, or if you were somebody that really believed that Keith Reeser was going to bring the same level of play from the AAF to the NFL, I get how this would tip you over the edge. But nothing's changed so far. These guys, it's only three days into camp. We haven't really got that much. But all these guys are playing to what they are so far, besides Breland, who's been hurt. But at the same time, that's kind of who he's been as of late. So all the cornerbacks have been who they are. Nothing's changed at this point in time. It's just not a good cornerback group, and they do need help out of it this year if they're trying to compete for a Super Bowl. And granted, they're going up against the Chiefs offense. The Chiefs offense is going to make people look bad, but I don't really hear about instances where these guys are making plays, getting their hands on balls. Rashad Fenton is kind of constantly being mossed by wide receivers here. We haven't heard Charvarius Ward making plays. We've heard about Kendall Fuller getting burnt. Like the, These are things that are going to happen, but when they don't come with a positive aspect to swing back the other way, that's when you got to start worrying a little bit because they're out there too. Like This isn't a situation where it's a defensive line where we didn't hear about Frank Clark until the pads came on. These are corners. These guys are out there running routes with the wide receivers as well. Granted, it's slanted towards the offense, but we should still hear about these guys making a play every once in a while. Here's, here's the thing about the cornerback group right now. And the most optimistic Chiefs fans about this group were the ones that were really leaning on Charvarius Ward's taking a step. And Kendall Fuller returns to what he's been. And I kind of had a little bit of the Kendall Fuller returns with what he's been guy. I've, I've been that guy some too, and I'll, I can own that. Um, and it's obviously, it's really early. So we're not just dismissing all of these guys yet. But here's 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 why I feel like I'm a I, my opinions changed in the in the limited sample size we've seen to this point, because the concerns we had about these guys, the concerns we spent all summer talking about with these guys, don't look any different. Charvarius Ward still struggles to transition out when he's in off coverage. He's still tr- struggling to transition out of his back pedal or his shuffle, and. Um, it's, it's, it does not look, it, it does not look like it's made any improvements. So he's still giving up a lot of ground. He's giving up easy completions. He's giving balls over his head. Kendall Fuller has not made a play to this point. I have not seen him make a play yet. Um, and he's obviously been relegated to the slot, but we haven't seen Brashad Breland. There's things that about this group you want to see some reasons for optimism. You know, anyone that was excited about the potential of these guys, I, I haven't seen anything to this point to say these guys have taken a step. These guys look better. And that's a concern for me. That's why I'm more concerned. It's not obviously guys, it's still early. I'm not trying to dismiss any of these guys. There's still a chance that, you know, things can get a little bit better, but I'm just telling you the early indicators don't show growth. The early indicators don't show many changes. And I think, you know, I think the chiefs probably have an idea right now too. Uh, and, and even though this was the first two weeks of camp, the two positions that are going to get to see, you know, relatively normalized reps are the cornerbacks or the defensive backs and the, and the pass catchers. These guys are getting, you know, reps here 
and they're the closest to real reps or re- la- reps with pads on, and, and and it's just it's not looked great. Uh, P Flum asks, will the improvements everywhere else on D cover up the issues at cornerback? Uh, listen, it's going to help. We, I think we all knew where the problems lied last year. The linebackers and the safeties were poor, and they got torched in in coverage a lot. Now, the cornerbacks weren't great either, but they weren't the weakest link. Now they are. Uh, those safeties are good. The linebackers, I think, are going to be better, especially with Darren Lee out there. I think they've got some a good coverage linebacker, and I like the defensive line a lot, but... The problem is, if you have a weakness at both sides of the field and in the slot, it's really tough to cover three guys regardless of how good your scheme is, how good other players at other positions are. This is rough. Like They they got much better, I feel like, at every single level except for cornerback. Now, they may have not necessarily gotten worse than last year, but they didn't get better, and they put a concerted effort into all these positions. That's a lot to saddle a scheme with. I think that it's just a little too much to ask for all three of those guys to be a little bit subpar and have to rely on the rest of the defense to cover it up. Yeah, with what Craig said there, having better linebackers, a more consistent pass rush, better safety plays, absolutely going to help. It's going to force offenses to have to attack the corners more often which last year they didn't have to do. So while the corners weren't good last year, they were protected from the simple fact that there was somebody else worse than them on the field. If you bring up the level of those other positions, the cornerback still might be just as bad, if not worse. And you kind of saw it in that second Chargers game. Phillip Rivers just began throwing YOLO balls up to guys Mm -hmm. that were completely covered when he let it go, trusting that they were going to uncover and make a play on the ball because the Chiefs' corners were just that bad. Teams are going to do that all season long, especially if you see better linebacker and safety play. Quarterbacks, good offenses will attack the cornerbacks, even if it looks like they're in the right position. So there's only so much help you can do, and the scheme will help some, but these guys still have to know their job, have to be in the right spot. They still have to have a baseline level of traits that they aren't showing as of yet. One one sign of optimism for all, for all y'all. Because we don't try to be doomsday, we just try to tell us tell it like it is and tell tell you what we feel. But here's a sign of optimism: they play the Jaguars, then the Raiders. Okay, Antonio Brown. They play the Ravens. Doesn't matter. Lamar Jackson can't throw. Uh, the Lions, the Colts, then New Hopkins with the Texans, the Broncos, and then the Packers. That's your first eight games of the season. There's three really big tests for the cornerback position with some receivers, but a bunch of middling ones. But then the back half, you've got you know, the Vikings the very next week. Week nine is the Oof. Vikings. You got the Chargers. You got the Raiders again. You got uh, the Bears. And you got the Chargers again. So the back half is really when this group's going to get tested. That's the biggest challenge for them. There's still some challenges in the first half of the season. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, there's there's some optimism for you. They got time to figure it out. I think the trade deadline's week eight or nine. So, I mean, that back stretch is where they got the issues. So, uh, or more issues, should I say. Kyle Richardson asks, what's a Demontre Wade? Uh, and <laughs> Jay Zoran29 basically asked the same, same question. How good has Demontre Wade looked running with the ones? Um, Demontre Wade is, in un- is an undrafted free agent from last year. He was on the practice squad all last season. And he did some things that we liked. 
Uh, as for what I saw from him during training camp, not much. I mean, I saw that he was out with the ones, so they they trust that uh, you know that he's you know going to be able to do what they're asking him to do a little bit, or at least the most of this group. Maddie, woo, <clears throat> Maddie, what did you like out of Demontre Wade coming out last year? So I haven't seen him yet this year, but I will say we talked a little bit earlier about cornerbacks not making plays. It seems like Demontre Wade's been the only cornerback mm-hmm. that has made any play whatsoever at Chiefs camp. Now he's got that going for him. Now he's been beaten a lot, whether being deep or getting boss at the catch point, but he has made plays as well. So he does have that going for him. He made one really nice interception down the sideline on a deep throw. It was a good play. Yeah. And so as of last year, what I liked about him, I think he has pretty decent short A quickness. I think he's a twitchy guy. So his first couple steps are pretty quick. He can change directions well. I don't know if his long speed matches that kind of quick change of direction or quickness that he has, but he's got decent size. So he's got the physical profile that can succeed in the NFL. The problem is he was a four-star recruit that had to go to Murray State and kind of his ability to identify and recognize plays, whether it's a run, pass, zone responsibilities, kind of match with what you would expect out of a four-star athlete that had to go to Murray State. He's just still trying to pick all that up, and that probably explains why he went to the practice squad last year. So I'm excited to see him play in the preseason. If he can pick up the defense, he's got some raw talent to at least contend for some form of depth or maybe fringe starting role. It's just he has a long way to go on the mental side, and he needs to really figure out what he's doing at the line of scrimmage because he just played bail technique all the time at Murray State. That's all he did was bail. Yeah, and in that regard, uh, a little bit of what he did matches up with some of what Spagnuolo will do in zone. So it's not like he's a complete lost cause from that regard. But, I mean, even for me last year, I, I wanted Arian Springs over to Montre Wade. And, well, Arian Springs, poor one out for him. But Poor one out. I, I, just, I thought Wade looked better specs. than Arian Springs last year, well, for what it's worth. Well, Maddie, stop. <laughs> <laughs> if you're relying on Demontre Wade to carry your load, that that's a little rough. So, right, guys, I'll just I'll add too. Like, I, I think that's the same thing as like with guys like Charvarius Ward. There's positive indicators, but like his ceiling isn't remarkably high. It's not cornerback one ceiling. There's good things about him. There's things that can make him a serviceable cornerback, but it's it's hard to to tell to say that you know these guys can be leaned on to carry you as as you know quality starting cornerbacks it's it's a challenge that's why they went undrafted Mm -hmm. but they're still valuable and they still can they could be solid contributors potentially but they still need a talent injection they need a guy they need a talent injection at the cornerback position well man we've talked about this a lot just give us a young player that really has reason to hope like give us a McCole Hardman of the cornerback position a guy that's drafted early with loads of talent even if he's not particularly ready right now Sean give Bunting. us somebody to root for in terms of developing like right now we're relying on Mark Fields as kind of your talent that you're relying on who was still an undrafted player for a reason so just you got to give the fans some level of talent if you want them to believe in the cornerback group we don't have the guys ready right now, and we don't really have anybody in waiting, which I think is kind of my big concern. It's it that looks scary, uh, and I don't know how many Charvarius Ward and Tremont Smith right now. I think are the only cornerbacks under contract. Oh, and Rashad Fenton. So, Ron Cobb asks, "How do you guys feel about keeping Fuller strictly in the slot?" Uh, Matthew, how do you feel about that? So this is kind of a double-edged sword. Um, I think. Fuller plays best in the slot. What he does well as a cornerback fits the slot perfectly. He does well when he's breaking downhill, 
when he's breaking laterally, reading a wide receiver's release and what they're trying to do. He's very good at matching what they're doing, playing into the leverage, breaking down when he's seeing the quarterback and the receiver together. I think he gets a little lost when he's just playing the wide receiver on the boundary. He doesn't particularly use the sideline very well. And once he starts to carry routes vertically, get his back to the quarterback, I don't want to say he's lost, but his just his transitions from a shuffle or a backpedal into turning and running and his general feel playing the ball over his shoulder or the wide receiver don't seem to be there. He's a guy that's a lot more comfortable playing behind the wide receiver rather than trailing the wide receiver. So I understand why you don't want to put him on the sideline. That said, we just talked about it. Demontre Wade and Charvarius Ward are your boundary corners right now. We might need to just go ahead and force him to play outside if that's what you're putting out there, even if it's not a position that suits his skill set that well. And I know it's early, but he's not getting any reps out on the boundary from from what I understand from reports, right? I haven't seen any. Yeah, that's, I haven't seen any at this point, uh, I don't think. That should tell you things. I know that you take everything that happens early on here with a big grain of salt, but if dudes aren't even rotating in at positions, that kind of should explain to you where they see them. Uh, Matt's a nail on the head here. He struggles vertically a little bit. He struggles with the boundary a little bit. That is his best spot is there in the slot, especially if they're going to run, you know, maybe a little bit more to read or, you know, some dime cover three or something like that where he's going to be an apex and he's not going to have to really shoulder the load for some of those vertical releases and things like that. He will have some of them, particularly when they blitz, and they will still play some man, but you can hide him a little better on the inside than you can on the outside. Chief in DC asks, what's the most draft capital you'd be willing to give up right now in a trade for a good corner? More likely before camp or for before the deadline. So, okay, I would, I'd be willing to give up a first round pick for the right guy at this time. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I give up a first round pick for Pat P necessarily, uh, maybe a second round pick, maybe a little bit more in a second round pick. Not quite a first, but I mean, there's there's plenty of guys. I get, I'd do a lot to get Jalen Ramsey right now. I would do a lot to give up Jalen to get Jalen Ramsey right now. I don't know if I'd give up a first for Pat P, but I mean, anything's on the table at this point uh, for the most part, depending on who the corner is. Um, I honestly, I've been thinking about this. I kind of wonder if it's more likely that they wait till the deadline, especially after looking at some of the receivers that they're playing or at the deadline i wonder if you know like the guys that we've seen that they're playing yeah there's some there's some challenges in there obviously in the first half of the season but also like if they made a move right now if they moved made a move right this second i'd rather them play it up to the preseason honestly just in case something happens in the next four weeks where the guy you just traded for gets hurt i'd rather them just wait until the end of training camp maddie uh or craig where do you stand on that i i think they have to make a move uh i We've been talking about them making a move for a long time. I thought one might have come on June 1st or June 2nd, right after that deadline. I I don't know that it will be a blockbuster move. I don't know that this is going to be Patrick Peterson level. I don't know even if it will be... I You know, some of the names that we discussed earlier, uh, Jimmy Smith from the Ravens. The Ravens have a lot of cornerbacks and a lot of young cornerbacks. Jimmy Smith is making a lot of money this year. If they were to trade him, they'd free up $9.5 million that they can then move on to next year, kind of roll it over a little bit. The Chiefs have cap space. Jimmy Smith would fit if he was healthy and he wasn't suspended or anything like that. I know he's got some problems there, but he would very clearly be 
a number one corner on this team. But again, that might be a little more blockbustery. Same with Vernon Hargreaves. Those are the types of guys that I think you're going to have to give up some significant assets to go and get them, even if they are expensive, because those teams have these guys locked into starting spots already. I know everybody wants to just be able to go out and trade for a starting corner. That's just not how it works at this point in the season. Unless you are paying, giving up a fortune to get a guy, you're not going to be able to prize starting cornerbacks off of another team's roster and put them onto yours. More than likely, you're waiting for a cut to happen and you're kind of picking up off the scrap heap and trying to get the best guy off of the top of that scrap heap to come in and fill in as you're developing younger guys, which then just goes back to what Matt says about how you know we don't really have a ton of younger guys with, with a ton of talent that they can uh, develop from that regard. So it's rough right now in the cornerback trade market. Yeah, and I agree they have to make a move. And for the right player, like a Jalen Ramsey, yeah, I'm giving up a one. I might even give up more than a one to get Jalen Ramsey if I know I, I get to re-sign him. Now, that likely means no Chris Jones going forward, except for maybe on the franchise tag. But I'm okay with that, I think, at this point in time. Now, I don't think Jalen Ramsey's available. So like Craig said, we've been talking about this for months. Jimmy Smith's the guy that's been rumored to be available He's he's a good player, but I don't know if the Chiefs really need that kind of publicity right now. So <laughs> yeah. that's the one issue with him. Vernon Hargreaves, I don't know how expensive he would be. He's kind of been up and down in Tampa in terms of if they like him, if they don't. The issue is he's another guy that's been a slot cornerback. Yeah. And that's kind of all the people that are available are more slot guys. So you really get into the situation where you might have to trade for someone like Trey Waynes, who's going to be super expensive and just simply isn't that good. But he's better he's bad. than what we have. I watched. I watched some tape. I watched some tape. He's not no, good. He, I fully agree. No. I don't know how he graded out better than Xavier Rhodes last year, but he's not, and he's simply not good. <laughs> but he's better than Charvarius Ward. He's better than Demontre Wade. He's better than Bashad Breland. Well, maybe not better than Breland, but he's got a little bit more upside because he's a little bit younger. Maybe, but like I said, there's not anything out there for the Chiefs to go get. They're just going to have to wait, hope someone gets cut. Maybe there's a veteran that's on the block here once camp gets going and a team likes their young guys. That's what you really have to hope for is kind of a curveball, like a Mike Daniels-type release or trade candidate. Well, like that's kind of where I go back to thinking about the move might be see who's trying to tank at the deadline. Who's willing to give up you know, something for a good corner uh, or a decent corner, a guy that's – whose contract's expiring soon. You know, that the, the, it might be an injection in the middle of the season than it is on week, in week Do one. Do trade Plus, deadline trades in the NFL usually have great results? I, it's just not super common. So I just, my well, concern... De- Dante Fowler did all right. Yeah, no, he did. I just My concern would be if you're, if you're waiting till the deadline, the Chiefs are very much going to be desperate if they're making that move. Making a move at the deadline just pushed off that far. You're having to ask a player to acclimate immediately and then make an impact. Now, if it's Patrick Peterson, you obviously have no worries. If you're trading for Trey Waynes at the trade deadline, that's a bigger deal to have him come in and have to learn a new defense. So I guess it depends on who you're trading for. But, I mean, they have to get something going. They have to. Yeah, but, but I mean, from a talent perspective, getting talent into this room, significant talent in this room, it might be limited to that. So... I mean, yeah, if we're talking about, you know, like, uh, would you rather have Trey Waynes uh, starting August 
thirtieth, or would you rather have? I think Matt, Craig mentioned like William Jackson from the Bengals in Week Nine. I'd rather have William Jackson in Week Nine. I, I mean, I would I, too. No, I would agree with that, but I think William Jackson is a like borderline. Like, I think second, that's a, he's. Yeah, that's a blockbuster trade. Yeah, yeah, he's fighting I, it for is. all I'm pro thinking cornerback blockbuster. status. So, like, he would fall into the Patrick Peterson category. Where, yeah, that's going to be acceptable. But if it's like Trey Wayne's versus Xavier Rhodes, like I'd rather have Rhodes. But a whole year of Trey Wayne's might be better than Xavier Rhodes for half a year for their price tags. I yeah. don't know. I mean, that's where it gets a little more iffy to me. It's just their Chiefs are in a bad spot. They really are in a bad spot at the cornerback spot. Kevo Bevo asks, hypothetical, Chiefs uh, decide to make a move for a cornerback. Would you rather have Josh Norman or Janoris Jenkins? Josh Norman, and it's not close. Um, Janoris Jenkins was not great last year. like, And I think it's kind of in the same vein as Orlando Scandrick, where his legs are just kind of falling out from underneath him a little bit. And I get that Josh Norman is older as well, but Josh Norman has a little bit more savvy. He's good in a zone scheme. That's what this will be. I would rather, much, much rather have Josh Norman at the tail end of his career than Janoris Jenkins at this point. Yeah, and if you asked me this question a couple months ago, I probably would have said Norman by a hair just because I think Jenkins, being familiar with the system already, would give him a few extra bonus points. But watching Spags film of those Giants teams, this was even two years ago, you, there's issues with Janoris Jenkins that start to show up at the end of the year. Last year, they were just multiplied tenfold. The Giants could not beg a team to take him last year. Like, they could not get rid of him. And I understand <laughs> it was price-related then, but he was not good last year. I would much rather take my chance with Josh Norman, who's never been an athletic marvel, whereas Janoris Jenkins was very athletic in his prime. He's still getting used to how to play as an older, slower guy. Janoris, uh, or J- Josh Norman, 10 out of 10 times. Uh, I, I, We might be getting to a point where we start talking about giving up an asset for Josh Norman in that contract. I don't know. We'll see how desperate we get. Adam GKC asks, have you guys ever discussed or graded the Peters trade post-draft. Now that we know he net Armani Watts and Juan Thornhill. See, I think this is interesting because, you know, we've talked so much about <coughs> the cornerback position. The cornerback position's on our minds. And they had one. <laughs> they would have had him <laughs> under com- com- control this year. So And he would have fit really uh, well. And he would have fit really well. Um, so, <laughs> Maddie. Uh, based on what we know to this point, and honestly, you can project Thornhill too. Uh, what do you think about the Peters for Armani Watson Juan Thornhill trade? So, I mean, like, logically, Marcus Peters wasn't going to play in Kansas City. That whole ship had run its course. Like, there was, there was an end that had to be done. I think keeping Marcus Peters at that point in time would have done more harm for the team than just giving him away would have done. So, they obviously made out well getting Juan Thornhill and then Juan Thornhill's backup and Armani Watts. <laughs> they did well getting that for Marcus Peters. That being said, there's a big sour taste in my mouth knowing that Marcus Peters probably would have fit much better with Steve Spagnuolo than he ever did with Bob Sutton. The coaching style. I don't know if it would have made him like Kansas City more, but I think he would have tried harder throughout his entire first contract and he would have made his contract work for Steve Spagnuolo he would have fit the defense, and he would make the Chiefs a much, much better team if he was here. I Does Marcus Peters get them a third and ten stop in an overtime game in the AFC uh, Championship game? 
Craig. I, Marcus Peters doesn't let Philip Dorsett catch a ball over yeah. him. That, I mean, that, that. that's that's the question. Listen, I, I love Juan Thornhill. I'm really excited to see Juan Thornhill in this defense. I've been saying that he is potentially the breakout player in a defense that has a lot of candidates in that regard. But my goodness, it's about rings. Does, does Marcus Peters push them over the hump last year? That's, that's the big question. I I oh. think he might have. And in that regard, eh. Mar- uh, Armani Watts, I'm not. I, I don't have a ton of takes on at this point. I don't know how great of a value he's going to be when it's all said and done. Juan Thornhill, though, Therese said today the Chiefs view Juan Thornhill as a potential star at the safety position. <laughs> and you know what? I agree. I he. I mean, he has to overtake Dirty Dan first. <laughs> he, uh, will. he will. He will. It's it's just it's token. It's a token gesture to a guy that is been here forever. Juan Thornhill has been making plays on the ball. Just because the cornerback position has been a huge issue doesn't mean that there's not some plays being made in the secondary. The safety position, I think there's been some good things. Specifically, Juan Thornhill's got his hands on some balls. And he looks really good, and I can't wait to see what he's able to do next to Honey Badger in week one in the starting lineup. There I said it. That being said... Ah, uh, I I kind of lean with Craig. I uh, I do you do you hang on to the talent? But I mean, you kind of think about it. If you look at the Marcus Peters situation in retrospect, it's kind of funny. Um, they you know he was kind of the first Dorsey guy that that they moved on from. You know, like and it's just kind of been a lot of Dorsey guys they've moved on from since. Now they're going to keep some because Patrick Mahomes is technically a Dorsey guy. Tyreek Hill. Dorsey guy uh, and Chris Jones Dorsey guy so some of those Dorsey guys are going to stick around but they've moved on from a lot of the other players and and Peters was the first one they moved on from okay we're going to do something really quick because you guys asked so many questions and we are so sorry we weren't able to get to more of them this pod is already pushing an hour uh, we're going to do a speed round one tweet answers or less very quick answers Matthew you're going to get a test yeah, early on uh, and we're going to ask, we're asking these questions. We're going to answer them very fast. And we're going to start with this one for Maddie. Megabyte asks, is Pringle along with Hill's return going to make Demarcus Robinson expendable? No, Robinson has too much value to the ad lib game that Pat Mahomes plays. Uh, no friends. Nick asks, Craig, what would you trade to Marcus, Demarcus Robinson to the Giants for? Uh, they gave us a fifth round pick in 2020. I'd take it in a heartbeat. Wow. I think my line's the fourth. If you gave me the fourth. Toron, uh, Tor- Tornado ABL asks, do you think the addition of Hardman could mean a big increase in jet action? Um, maybe not a huge increase, but I do think that they will um, utilize him and Sammy Watkins. He looked good on those kind of looks too. And still Tyreek Hill will probably get a couple here and there too. The Chiefs fan 24 asks, after seeing Hill in camp for a couple days, have your expectations uh, for him this season changed? Uh, yes, they have. I, I'm I'm a little bit more on the Tyreek Hill trend than I've ever been because Patrick Mahomes and him are connecting on some of those deeper throws where Hill runs under them. And that should terrify because they weren't super consistent on those it's going to be fun kc fan for life 55 asks maddie so does uh custis jamal custis have a real shot absolutely not <laughs> you're, you're not wrong 
Jay Hawkins 87 asks, what player do I take in each round for the, for the best chiefs team in a 10 man fantasy league? Uh, I would be buying uh, Damien Williams. I, I, I might put Patrick Mahomes in the first round. I know you don't draft quarterbacks in the first round very often, but he's going to be that big of a point discrepancy between QB two. I'd take Damien Williams in the second round with confidence. I would look at and Tyreek Hill. I'd probably take in the first sec, first second round too. First um, round for Hill. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed. I mean, go be bold. Uh, Sammy Watkins, fourth round, fifth round. You maybe hedge a little bit with the injury. Uh, Travis Kelsey, probably a th- second or third round, probably third round with him. Uh, beyond that, Mequel Hardman, take him in the deep sleeper because there could be some big play opportunities from him. He's not going to be a consistent week to week player, but he'll, you know, I think you're in a best ball league, maybe take a shot on him. Uh, Michael to Wayne asks, do you think Eric B will take the reins in full this year with play calling Craig over Andy Reed's dead body? Yeah, that's no, he's not giving it up. Andy Reed is going to run this ship for as humanly possible long. One tweet, Craig, one tweet. (laughs) That was was good enough. That's that's fair. Uh, Drew C1420. Is there any chance Richard Davis sneaks onto the roster, Matthew? Less of a chance than Jamal Custis. Woo. The tormented VC asks, what's up? Can't love watching your guys on YouTube. Uh, you, Craig, and Matt are awesome. Thank you. Love you. Uh, what do you guys think of how the defense is looking so far in training camp? The communication is better. There's some positive indicators with this group. Haven't seen much from the linebacking core. Uh, the defensive line looks good. Obviously, we know about the cornerbacks. There's still a work in progress, but there's some good things going on. Rise of Mahomes asks, how often do you think Spags might dis- deploy the NASCAR package, Craig? I'm going to say 25%. Uh, second, wow. second and long, third and long. He uses it all the time. It's going to get used a lot. Chief Bearcat asks, "How sad are you about being gone this Friday and Saturday, Kent?" I'm very sad. I wanted to hang out with you. I wanted to hang out with Craig uh, and anybody else that was going to be up at training camp. Ryza Mahomes asks, "Craig, any chance Juan or Matthew can play?" Uh, could spot at cornerback and play Watts at strong safety. Craig, can you please elaborate a little bit more here? You could have more than one tweet. Okay, appreciate that because I was going to ask for it. We get this question a lot. Um, Steve Spagnuolo is going to use Juan Thornhill and Teron Matthew as apex players, kind of in the slot already. But I wouldn't call them slot Corners. You may see some dime packages with three safeties. Steve Spagnuolo likes to go cover three with his dime and rotate both safeties down kind of his apexes a little bit. That's when you might see three safeties on the field. And that's those are like third and fourteens. Those are big, long, you know, super long plays that they're trying to protect there. But on a regular game-to-game basis, no. I do not see either one of those guys matching up particularly well against bigger wide receivers, against guys that maybe are a little quicker in and out of transitions. They're both phenomenal players, but you're asking, you're going to be asking them to line up against tight ends and an occasional running back and occasionally a slot wide receiver. You don't want Juan Thornhill or 5'9 Teron Matthew going up against Antonio Brown or Julio Jones on the outside. That's just a recipe for a disaster. So no on that. And you want Watts squaring up a running back even less than that. Yeah. 
just because they're lined up as an apex defender doesn't mean they're a slot cornerback. And anyone who tells you that they're a slot cornerback, maybe just run. I'm just going to say that. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're a slot cornerback. But I guarantee you we're going to hear that this year. Um, Let's see here. Rise of Mahomes asks, Maddie, do you think the Chiefs will stretch the ball vertically down the field more this year? I mean, they were already one of the best teams, if not the best team at it last year. But yeah, I think they will try even more this year. They added more speed. They have more guys out there that can do it. Mahomes connects a few more times this year. It's going to be more successful in higher volume. It's going to be fun. They're going to sling it down the field. Sports Talk Evan asks, how absurd would Pat's stats have to be to win the most improved player this year? He's already put himself out of the category. If he threw 70 touchdowns and zero interceptions, I still think they wouldn't give him the most improved player. I really don't. Like it's just it's it's the limit does not exist. Last one, Matthew in the speed round. Vitamin J asks, what's the over under on Pat throwing a behind the back pass in the regular season? Just give us a percent chance. Uh 0.05%. Okay. It's not happening. He's not going to throw a behind the back pass this year. Oh, that would be so disrespectful to the Broncos if it happened. It's not going to happen. The only way it happens is if he's like being twirled to the ground and he does like one of these numbers over his shoulder. He's not going to throw the behind the back pass like you saw in a clip. He will not do that in a game. You're so lame. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for all of the questions. I'm so sorry if we couldn't get to answer all of them. There was just, there was a lot. and We tried to do as many as we could with some creative things, but... Uh, We will be back later in this week with another episode, and we will be back with another mailbag next week. Catch you later. Be on the lookout for the illegal lobster blocks. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.